0: super talk mississippi media production state treasurer david McRae is returning record amounts of money to mississippians whether it's through the college and career savings program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim treasurer david McRae says get your application and claims today treasury.ms.gov i'm steve azar and i'm on the other side of the microphone In a Mississippi Minute, that's right. I've written and recorded many songs about our inspired old Muddy. But when your first name is Rivers, I imagine there was a master plan for today's guest that was carved in stone for him to become one of Music City's most prolific songwriters. His style is his own. And I'm looking forward to sharing the stage in Corinth, Mississippi tonight. Please welcome to In a Mississippi Minute, Rivers Rutherford.
1: Hey, Steve. Hello. How's Hello. everything going, <laughs> man? It's going. It never slows down. That's a good thing.
0: I like it when my guest automatically starts asking me questions. That was a little more familiar <laughs> for me. But uh,
1: so, Steve, tell us about how you got to Nashville in the first place.
0: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. By bus,
1: <laughs> without a ticket,
0: a one way ticket. Well, actually, I had a, uh, I had a return flight, so it, it worked out all right. So oh, you're good. you're in Nashville, right? No, you're not in Nashville. I'm you're indeed.
1: in Corinth. Yes, indeed. I'm in Corinth today. Looking forward to doing a show with you tonight.
0: Let's talk about Nashville real quick. Uh, your, our kids went, uh, before we moved them out and moved them back to the Delta, uh, They, uh, where they all ended up graduating at, at my high school, our boys were going, our kids were going to NBA together.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Did uh, So how old are your kids
1: now? Well, uh, the NBA, we've got two girls and two boys. The girls are out of college now, but uh, the boys, I just – Just graduated one from MBA in May, and uh, I dropped him off at uh, Ole Miss last Wednesday.
0: Well, that's one of he's he's with our middle son, who's a junior there. So uh, so we have one there, and our oldest was uh, was uh, he went from MBA to St. Joe, and then went out to California to to Chapman University, where he wound up uh, graduating film production. He lives in West Hollywood, making films and coloring films. So there you go. Nice. So, uh, and our daughter would have gone to St. Cecilia, I imagine, but, uh, now she's, uh, she's going to graduate this year. So man, it's tough. So when your first child went, your first child was a girl, where'd she go to college?
1: Well, uh, I tried to talk her into going to Ole Miss, but she, uh, she'd had her heart set on North Carolina. She was a lacrosse player. Wow. Blew her knee out at the senior year and we had it repaired, but it kind of messed her up. And, and, uh, instead of playing lacrosse, she went to North Carolina and, and got into a pre-med program and. Now she's in, uh, she did a year up at uh, UVA after she graduated uh, North Carolina, and now she's in Charlotte doing a research project on the very uh, issue that she had with her knee. Wow. And intends uh, to enter med school next next fall.
0: That's where she comes great. From.
1: I'm so proud of her. She had a, a torn ACL, and uh, she's been recruited by several schools, and uh, the coaches all said, look, just get it repaired, we'll red shirt her, and, and she can play, and, and we... Uh, we went to an excellent surgeon here in, in Nashville, I had her knee repaired, but she had a, a crazy rare complication, hmm. uh, and it wound up kind of destroying her calf and, and uh, oh, man. leaving her with some permanent nerve damage. Uh, her oh. ankle was kind of frozen at a 90-degree angle. She'd walk on it, but, uh, you know, lacrosse was over.
0: Oh, but man, I'm sorry, uh, to, I'm sorry to hear that. I know that that's uh, uh, an obstacle she's got to deal with our, my sister's legs. I mean, if you don't know it, you don't know it, but if you look close, you see scars inside and outside her thighs where the hay had gone through, where this guy had hit the hay bell. And Anyway, long story short, they've. Uh, and I know you're proud of her, did you cry like I did when I left my kid in California? <laughs> I mean, oh, you- now
1: listen, I dropped Maggie off in, in Chapel Hill at the dorm, and no, I didn't cry until everybody was crying. And I'm the big crier in the family, but everybody else is <laughs> crying, and I was just laughing. And, and then I said, okay, we'll see, you, baby. And I turned around, I took one step out of the door of her dorm room, and I had to go down the fire escape to get out. I was sobbing so hard. Yeah, We had booked a hotel room, unbeknownst to her, two miles down the road, and I had to pull over twice before I got to the hotel. Yeah, I did it. I cried so hard.
0: Yeah, because the first one was tough. Now, leaving my son at Ole Miss, I I don't think he had questioned if I cried or not, because he was close. I'd already gone over that initial impact. Something about leaving your first one so far away from home, uh it was a it was a shock to the system right i mean it's like you never experienced oh, anything like that so
1: you no know, and drive um, I, the thing that got me is dropping her off over there on crutches oh yeah and yeah getting ready to make that 500 mile by, drive back to nashville I thought, well man, what happens i can't get here
0: no no i know and i know that uh, that being the song now, record, my son
1: I, I dropped my son off at old miss and i wasn't crying i was nervous yeah <laughs> i know why you were nervous, <laughs> <laughs> man.
0: Now, do you get to – I know I see Bill Simmons, a friend of ours, uh, manager. Uh, manager yeah. pays those guys. Do you get to see Bill? Do you ever take uh, football weekends? And, and
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. We uh, My tickets are about two rows behind Bill, so we see each other about all the games in the wow. fall. I and love I it. run into him up here quite a bit, his daughter and, and my wife, actually. She was in a Bible study that my wife led at their school, and uh, she'll swing by every now and then to see Valley. I love. We're it. pretty close with the Simmons.
0: They're good, good people. Y'all, yeah, oh, they're wonderful. I'll be at the. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna attend the. Al- I'm on the road so much, but we're gonna attend the. We got the Alabama game all let, all ready to roll. So we're looking forward to that and to Hottie Toddy and uh, and <clears throat> So Rivers, let's jump in now. I love this yeah. because uh, I know uh, I want to talk about your family growing up. Uh, your situation was a little different in mine and mine opened my dad opened the first legal liquor store in Mississippi and and, and all that. these great yeah. blues musicians would congregate behind it yours was your dad w- was a, was a player and did this and and so i want to know sort of your path um and uh did your did your parents push you forward in doing this uh was there ever like hey just do what i'm doing or whatever i mean you grew up in the music business pretty Pretty much, right?
1: Well, no, not really. My, my dad was a musician, and uh, he's an excellent singer still and uh, naturally talented musically. He taught himself how to play piano, and then when I started playing guitar, I taught him how to play, and he just picked it up like that. But uh, he was a frustrated musician. you know. He, he, he was born in 41, so he loved music. He didn't wind up doing it professionally, but he was uh, 16 years old when Elvis bought Graceland Mansion. My grandparents were living next door. Come on. So... Uh, yeah, but now it was it was a uh, you know modest home, but uh, but you know it wasn't like a big mansion or anything. But uh, Elvis bought it, and my daddy liked his records already. But then when he lived next door, he became a big fan. So uh, when I came along, uh, I can remember I was nine years old. We were driving down Elvis Presley Boulevard, and uh, my daddy said, "Now, what do you want for Christmas, buddy?" And I looked up, and there were the Gates of Graceland, and I said, "I want guitar." Hmm. And uh, they gave me a Sears and Robot guitar and an Elvis songbook. It was orange and had a hundred Elvis hits in it. And uh, I learned how to play guitar out of that book. Wow.
0: Wow. We're talking Rivers yeah. Rutherford, one of the hottest songwriters. for are a long time now in Nashville and doing it his way, his own style. I love this because a lot of songwriters that we cross paths with along the way, just I want to be a songwriter and it there's they just don't some of them don't have stories. Do you have a story? I mean that's a crazy story and I love it and mm-hmm. and obviously uh, the influence of next door just was just and and just it was just in the soul next door. No <laughs> oh, man, and,
1: I'm telling and, you. And
0: the grass was We've, connecting. Yeah, pretty amazing. So, did you ever get to uh meet Elvis as a kid?
1: You know I did actually. Yeah. I was uh I don't I don't know if I remember meeting him or if I remember my dad telling me about it, but I do have a couple of details I remember. We were Again, driving down Highway 6 Elvis Presley Boulevard, and uh, Elvis was on a white horse down by the gate. And there were, you know, a small group of people there visiting with him. So Teddy pulled over and they introduced me to him, and Elvis supposedly reached out and rubbed my hair, you know. But uh, I can remember he was on a white horse and he had on a blue shirt. Hmm. And it was dramatic. And I, but I don't know what it was about the colors. And that horse, uh, I remember him kind of, he kept turning his head back towards Ellis's foot. And I remember Elvis saying, Quit nibbling at my leg horse <laughs> kind of he his hand out to get the horse to look forward, you know, it was pretty funny. That's great. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I did get to meet him at a brush with the king.
0: Unbelievable. And how old were you again? I was four. Four years yeah. old. I, I love it. I mean, those impacts. And, and I'll tell you, the uh, so you, you never saw him out cutting the grass. You just saw him on a, a big horse.
1: Is that what the yeah, big No, I never over? saw him cutting the grass. <laughs> I, I did ride my bike up there all the time. And, and uh, Vernon lived in a house that kind of backed up sideways to uh, Graceland. And uh, we'd go knock on their door all the time. And uh, Miss Bressler, his second wife, would uh, give us little candies and stuff, you know. And we used to talk to Vester. He was uh, Vernon's brother, who was the security chief, I guess, at Graceland. He was a really nice guy, too, but never met Elvis again. Ever get a trick-or-treat as a kid there, or no, way? <laughs> no way? No way. <laughs> no don't, way. I don't think anybody ever. Well, maybe some friends or something, but not the neighborhood
0: kid. <laughs> We're talking to Rivers Rutherford, incredible hit songwriter, artist out of Nashville now, but by way of Memphis, and, uh, and obviously a Hotty Toddy fan at Ole Miss. Uh, you are in Mississippi oh, yeah. Minute. We're going to be right back. Hey, folks, if you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing its job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away one million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to Omnipillow.com, enter promo code STEVEAZAR. That's Omnipillow.com, promo code STEVEAZAR, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet.
1: In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I am a shotgun rider For the San Jacinto line The desert is my brother My skin is cracked and dry I was riding I'm Steve
0: Azar. We are in the Mississippi Minute. All 60 of them. You can finish the line because that is how we roll here. Uh, we were talking with somebody with Mississippi ties. Uh, I always felt like, as far as Memphis is concerned, it was the capital of North Mississippi. And uh, yeah. somehow Tennessee just... I don't even know why it's in Tennessee. It makes no sense to me. But, uh... Uh, Rivers, let's talk about growing up and just starting to play. Um, you've had so many hit songs. I feel like your rearview mirror is so important, and obviously, growing up next to the door to the King and and, and just understanding. Uh, I guess when you got to point, take take me back to a, as when it you had the bug already. When did you start playing out and feel like you know I want to do this?
1: You, you know, you'd ask me if my father kind of encouraged me to pursue it. Uh, long before I. I played out in clothes or anything, I knew I wanted to do it. I, I, uh, my dad did, in fact, encourage me. And my mother was, uh, we didn't know it, but she was going deaf very early. Uh, I learned how to play that guitar that I got for Christmas pretty quick. We were in the kitchen. My dad and I was sitting in the kitchen and playing and singing, and we were pretty loud. Loud noises hurt my mother's ears, and we, we, she would not she didn't say anything to us. So we were singing really loud, and we finished the song. My dad said, uh, Charlotte, what do you want to hear? And she said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so being a smart like, nine year old kid I, I went back to my room and I wrote this little song called Nothing so I'd have something to play the next time yeah. she said that so I played it for my dad I remember he got real quiet and he kind of looked at me and he said that's really good you ought to do that again so I started writing more songs and I'd go playing for daddy and wow. I really didn't start playing out until I was 15 I think the first gig I took was on a riverboat on the Mississippi River I used to play at a little dinner cruise deal you know, I started bands and played in bars and all that and got the old mess and I met a guy who, Johnny Barringer, who was a singer and played a little guitar, and we started a little duo and played all over the South, you know, mostly college stuff. I knew I loved doing it, and I loved it because, you know, for a college kid, when you're in a duo, you didn't have to carry the amps or anything like that. You just took two guitars and a PA. I got a little sideways, I guess, as far as what I wanted to do in college, i the music business started seeming so far away. You know, going to Memphis, it was a music city, and but there hadn't been a hit there in forever. There wasn't an act that came out of Memphis. There wasn't a hit that you know, was recorded there. In fact, until that Uptown Funk, which was supported in Memphis, the, the last number one recorded in Memphis before that was uh, Disco Duck by Rick Bees in <laughs> 76. So it was just kind of dead in Memphis. And I thought, well, I just didn't know how you could get there from here. And I started thinking about going to law school. My dad uh, had seen where a guy named Chip's moment. He was a big record producer in Memphis and, and had moved on to Nashville and then come back to try to revive the industry. Was uh, doing like a song symposium for aspiring songwriters. And he called me up and said, you want to do that? I told him I was thinking about law school. He said, and it worried him. I didn't know that. But he said, uh, he called me, you want to do this? And I said, yeah. So I went down there and I met Chip's and I played him two, three songs. And he looked at me and he said, I'll give you $100 a week to write songs for me. Oh, I love it and I freaked out I said absolutely I'll take it he said but you gotta promise me he says you got one more year of school I was finishing up my junior year at Ole Miss. he said you got another year of school don't trust me yeah he said well you gotta promise me you'll finish school and wow. I said uh, I promise so I came home the summer and worked at his studio down on Beale Street and met a bunch of Famous people coming in and out of there and all that and loved it and when it came time to go back to school I said Chips I, I I really don't want to do this and he said that's okay I really don't want to tell you
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a guy man I mean I obviously so many of us knows who Chips is and uh, I'd met him once
1: no no he he was a good one he was he was tough but he was a good one but he sent me back to Ole Miss <clears throat> and he called me a few weeks later and he said hey have you ever heard of the Highway men? and I said no he said uh, that's Willie Nelson, Wynonie Jennings, Johnny Cash and Chris Robinson I said okay. He said, you never heard of them? I said, well, I heard of those people that did not heard of the highway I said, well, you, you ever heard the song The Highwayman? And I said, no. And he said, you really don't like country music, do you, kid? And I hate to say it now, but I looked at him and I said, nope. <laughs> I really didn't. I liked R&B and, yeah. and uh, blues and rock and roll. He said, i tell you what, this will be a good exercise for you. Go out and buy the single The Highwayman and write me the sequel. This will be a good exercise. I said, okay. Well, I got a little offended that he was giving me an assignment. Right. It's like homework or something, you know. Still keeping you in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, found, I thought I was trying to get out of school. You know? <laughs> but I went down, back then we had record stores, and I went down and got the record and brought it back and listened to it. And I thought, if this is country music, what have I done with my life? It wow. just blew me away. And I, I listened to that thing 50 or 60 times and stayed up all night writing a song and <laughs> drove up to Memphis and played it for Chips. I, I knew he liked it, but he didn't seem really excited about it. But he called me about... The, uh, Oh, a month later. And he said, can you be in Nashville on Monday? And I said, sure. All right, come on up. We might we might record that thing. And I've been coming back and forth to Nashville doing demos, so I, I expected that I'd be in the studio. When I got to the address that he gave me, I opened the door, and there was Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and Chris Gustafson <laughs> and uh, and me, punk kid from college, you know. So they all got kind of quiet and looked at me funny, and Chip said, Rivers, play your song for these boys. So I got down on my knee, and you know, I Pulled out a guitar and played my song for him, And Chris and said, well, hell, that's right up our alley. <laughs> they they record, recorded it right there.
0: <laughs> this is cut number one, right? This is it. That was the first cut,
1: yeah.
0: That's not even
1: fair. <laughs> it, isn't. it wasn't fair to me. I thought it was easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're talking to Rivers yeah. Rutherford. This is the greatest. I love it. You know, those guys, which I think would, would really work for you, too. Uh, looking back, and I could be uh, I could be totally off base here, but you think about those four artists—they transcended anything that was country, rock and roll. They didn't matter. They transcended it all because they were so great at what they did. They in, they inspired and they moved people from all genres. I feel so. It was a perfect start for you because you were sort of that that guy, and uh, but still to be able to take the assignment. I mean, did you ever do that good in school, in class? I mean, that was a win. That was an A plus, 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 plus. You know?
1: Absolutely not. No. Wow. Okay, <laughs> tell was, me what your dad did. I was did. not a student.
0: I got to know what your dad did when you found out. When he found out.
1: Oh, he. Uh, well, one, he asked me about eight hundred thousand questions about Johnny Cash. He loves yeah. Johnny Cash <laughs> and Willie and all of them. But uh, he was really, really proud and excited. And when I graduated, you know, I was a songwriter that had just had his first cut. I didn't have any money. I said, Dad, do you mind if I move in with you? A little while, he, oh no, no, no! So I moved in with my folks and uh, worked at the studio uh, down on Bill Street. Uh, it was eight years before I had another song recorded. Yeah, uh, I, I, what, I, what was supposed to be a summer living at home turned into three years.
0: Yeah, did you feel? And, uh, did you did you get <clears throat> did you get impatient? Did you did you feel pretty beat up? Uh, did you feel like looking back at those songs? which probably some of them got cut uh, eventually. Uh, did you feel like? How'd you feel?
1: Yeah, no, I was frustrated and uh, it, it was kind of lost. Uh, at one point, I decided I was quitting music and I, I decided to go to law school. I, my heart wasn't in it. I wound up, you know, I applied to several law schools and I got in. The only one I, uh, well, how do I say this? I didn't, uh, I took the admission at Memphis State or University of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I, I wasn't really sure that I wanted to go away again. I wanted to stay in Memphis and write songs and, Anyway, the first day of law school came, I'd already paid for it, and I put on my chinos and my button-down, trying to fit in, and uh, opened the door to walk out to my car, and I had a cold chill going down my spine. I just knew that my maker was saying, this ain't it. Right. So I, I didn't go, and uh, a couple days later, my dad said, uh, how's law school going? I said, oh, Pop, I was on the phone with him. I said, Papa, I, I didn't go. And he said, what, why? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, I guess I just can't get music out of my system and uh there's kind of a long silence and he said well thank the lord
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that i've got i've gotten cold right now i love it i love uh-huh. it when when our parents believe so much in that and you know <clears throat> and as as much as that sounds like your parents and my parents i mean my parents we're catholic and my parents go to mass every day they don't miss in fact my dad was yeah. in the hospital the other night and we worried about him i was in atlantic city i get a call from my brother in memphis saying you need to go to the hospital they've taken dad and 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 I got this horrible feeling, you know, I'm so far away, I can't get there. And so, but it, it was a, a false alarm. But the bottom line is <laughs> that next day when he when he got cleared, he was at Mass again. I mean, he's just yeah, cleaning up it. the church, you know, him and my mom. And I'm going like, yo, know, they've showed that. And, you know, it's funny, our our faith gets tested. And and I'm the, I'm the worst. I drop the ball all the time. And I have this great, great friend, uh, Dennis' friend named Andre Abad. He's a wonderful guy, great mentor. He's the first guy I called when I, when I was moving back he was the first guy and big influence on my life uh and uh he said he's always saying hey let go let god let go and let god and i'm going like i just it's i just keep forgetting it's hard it's in it's in it's in other hands so we got to be able to be ready for that and be patient and i know we're talking to rivers rutherford tonight you can go to visit corinth.net we're doing a songwriter writer, a writer's deal in the round like you do in nashville Uh, And we're going to bring up my buddy Mark Allen Springer, who was one of my publishers for years. People can bring their blankets, their lawn chairs, a picnic basket. And it's a free concert, so you and I aren't costing anything tonight. And uh, it's at the Corinth Civil War Interpretive Center, if I can even say that. The Corinth Civil War Interpretive Center. Tonight is from 6 to 9. I don't know what time we go on in that period, but there are going to be some other bands playing. Uh, I think the Corinth Courthouse Pickers, uh, Bill Terry, Etc. but the three of us will get on stage together and we'll do this thing called Writers in the Round, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So you guys, come on out. Hey, Rivers, you get to play DJ. Mississippi is the birthplace of American music, and I know although you're from Memphis and there's a huge history and you're part of that history, you still belong to us. So I got to – your soul does. So I got to tell you, do you want to hear a little bit of Elvis Presley or Conway Twitty?
1: I want to hear some of the King.
0: I figured that you'd have been you'd have Absolutely. been you'd have been out outed outcasted out of the neighborhood if you wouldn't have said that we were the Great Rivers Rutherford. We're in Corinth, <laughs> Mississippi. Would have me. He would have disowned you. Uh, we're in Corinth. Although
1: Mississippi.
0: he loved Conway Twitty, boy, I tell you. <laughs> no, so did I. Uh, we're in a Mississippi yeah, minute. We'll be right back. He sings a song about a pork and greens. He sings some blues about a New Orleans. You know it has gone, 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 jumping like a catfish on a board. Yeah, you know it has gone, gone. The <laughs>
1: Chicken King Griot In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi When
0: I get where I'm going I'm Steve Azar, we are with all hit singer-songwriter awesome. Rivers Rutherford, producer He does it all in Nashville I, I, there's so much I want to talk to you about, Rivers. I, in, in fact, uh, uh, I interviewed Norbert Putnam, and it wound up being two shows. And you, you and I, I think, could, uh, your story is so wonderful. And, and looking back, you got to go meant to be. Uh, the road you've traveled has got to be exactly the road you had to go down uh, to hurt when you needed to hurt, to feel when you needed to feel, to, write, to be able to write the way you write. Now, you don't write like many people. And, and now getting to know you better on the phone – Which is what uh, I get to do. I I just feel like getting to know you better, period. I feel like, I just feel like that uh, your style has so much to do with your journey in your life.
1: The story I told earlier about the assignment, right, you know, write me the sequel to The Highwayman. That is one of two times in my life that that worked. When I try to copy other people or, how do I say this, write write a target right, you know, where you're writing specifically for an act or a certain type of song, if it doesn't resonate with something in, in my soul or my past, I'm just not very good at it. I, I find that I have the most success when I, number one, it, I, I write about something that I've experienced or lived directly, you know, and I'm really expressing myself. And my wife always says, you know, you seem to write the best at, right after you've been thoroughly humiliated in some way. <laughs> 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 when I quit trying to, uh, I don't know, I, the, the good stuff comes from the broken places, I guess. Right. It does.
0: Now, does it, does yeah. it take you long? <clears throat> if I find that for me, I have to get broken and I have to get, I have to get way back up before I can even articulate the feelings I'm going or put it down on, uh, you know, in song. Does it, does it, uh, when I was a little boy, I'd get grounded a lot. And I'm talking about, when I'm saying grounded, I was grounded my entire high school career. So I'd just keep mm. sneaking out because it didn't matter because, you know, my parents go, why are you keep doing yeah, this? What and can I, they do? <laughs> what, uh, yeah, what more else can you do? Exactly. So I would write myself out of my room of a song, and my mom would unground me. But then a few days later, I was grounded again. But I, I, I felt like I was on this path. But I wrote, uh, just looking back, I was able to do it. But as I got a little older, I needed to get broken, and like you said, and then come. I need to come out of it so I could see it, you know, in full form. Yeah. How, which, it, does it work every which way
1: for you? Um, People ask me... What comes first, words or music? And yeah. they, they kind of come at the same time for me. Uh, well, do you uh, do you always start with like a hook? Not always, right? Uh, do you write by yourself or do you write with other people? Both. I, I don't think there's a formula to it for me. It just I, I do uh, show up every day and write. Uh, I find that you know when I was a younger man, I would write when I was inspired. But you know, once I started having children. I thought, well I can't wait around for inspiration. I gotta make something happen, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes I, you
1: focus. I do, I, oh yeah, I still believe that the inspired songs are the ones that work, you know. But uh but a lot of times you may not know you're inspired and if you're not in the room writing songs, then you're gonna miss it. Right. And so I, I try to make it a habit of being in the office every day writing songs or at home or wherever, but I write every
0: day. You write every day. <laughs> yeah, I feel oh, like yeah. sometimes if you do that, you're just sort of such in the mode that the gift all of a sudden gets laid upon you. And and it is, I love it when the, when, I, to me, the best for me personally has been writing myself to the hook, not knowing what the hook was going to be. Uh, yeah. In my case, it's been the best. I mean, it's sometimes you, you do have a great hook and it, uh, and it, and it, uh, it's difficult sometimes to just wrap yourself around it and then write to it. But, but you, like you said, words and music come together. People always ask that. And I'm going like, what do you mean? Cause it all has to come together. I don't, I don't even know how to do one without the other. Cause I hear both together. It's weird. You yeah, know? Me too. Yeah. What's, I think yeah. that that's, that's, that's the curse and the blessing that's been bestowed upon us.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's the artist writer. There are a lot of guys in Nashville that are, you know, more successful than they uh, call themselves the lunch pail crew, they, they, they pack their lunch in a lunchbox, go to work and they sit down and they look, look at the tip sheet, to see who's recording and they write a song specifically for him. They're craftsmen. I, I, am not a craftsman. Yeah. I, I just, I think I'm an artist. That's all the only, only way I know how to say it. It, it uh, and it's not a great thing. You said it earlier. I, I do a, a specific thing. And when people are looking for that, that's good for me. But when they're not, I'm I'm sunk.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, well, but but the good thing you're doing it on your terms. Talking to Rivers Rutherford, R- Rivers. Let me ask you. You said something about being an artist, and you are. And that and in fact, I don't know if you remember doing this show. When you walk in one of our guest bathrooms at my house, you're down here in Greenville. There's a show poster, and it ta- it oh. it has me and you and Marty and and it was Mississippi Night at the Ryman, and John Grisham yeah, introduced oh, yes. us, Right. Okay. Yeah. So. So every time I go to the bathroom, there you are. I see your name like flashing, you know, so uh, (laughs) I don't know how you I want you to take that. But I remember that show and we just got off tour. We'd been on the road for almost a year with Bob Seger. So we were feeling good and feeling high and getting ready to get the heck beat out of us again. But that was fine. But the bottom line was I remember hearing you that night because I think that was the first time I really got to hear you. And, you you know, we're at the Ryman. So I'm hearing it come through the little PA, right, that that you're Uh, in your room. And I had to walk down. Because you were doing a songwriter thing there, if I'm not mistaken, I was going. Who is that? So I was oh, knocked yeah. out. I mean, because it sounded like home to me. You know, it was something about you as an artist. So I guess my point is this: business has gotten odd, and especially for just songwriters, you're starting and and you're continuing to play. But do you feel like, for your soul, just for your happiness, that you're able to go out and play your songs as an artist, and then writer? obviously both, but, and then we look at our friends. I mean, I got friends who have written a lot of big hits and they're driving Uber or something. I mean, I'm being a little, yeah, a little sarcastic, but, but it's basically that. And I just, do you feel like that, that having the ability to go out and play and be that guy, is it coming easier for you? And do you feel like it's advantageous?
1: Uh, yeah, I do think it's advantageous and yet yeah, it, it, it does come easier. I and mean, I love, I'm a little bit of a ham. I, 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 I wish, uh, I could tell you differently but I do like having people's attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So uh and I love entertaining. I love doing it. And so uh I, I moved to Nashville to uh be a star. I always knew that you know, the the thing that brought me to the table was you know, I I am a pretty good guitar player. I, I sing pretty good, not great but pretty good. Uh I think I'm entertaining. Well, you sound but like yourself. Brought, You're a great singer. But you, I, I like what you do better well, than just a singer. That, so, so anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, I, the thing that brought me to the table is writing songs. That's, what, that's My real gifting is writing. And uh, if if I had to pick one thing to do for the rest of my life, I'd say I'll write songs. And uh, I had to come to that conclusion. I was doing a record for NCA. Uh, I forget the year. It would have been about, let's see, it would have been two thousand one or two, three maybe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we're in the middle of the album and, uh, I was walking out the door to go to the studio and I looked over and and my wife had my youngest at at her breast and had a sippy cup in her right hand holding it up for our toddler. And, uh, the boys, and then the girls were sitting in the floor playing patty cake. (laughs) Literally. It was like a Norman Rockwell picture. (laughs) And, uh, I looked at them, I just, oh man, I didn't want to leave. And, and, but I had to go, you know, good work. And I said, all right, I love y'all. I'll see you tonight. And uh, I hustled out, and I was feeling kind of down because I really wanted to be there. Walking to my car, the thought occurred to me, if what I'm going in to slave over and sweat and bleed for, if this works, I won't see that for 10 years. That's not entirely true, but for me, that's that was my thought. I went to the studio, and I told them, I don't want to do this, guys. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that didn't go over real well but uh this is like law school out. you did you
0: left law, school, like law school at, the, school, at right. the altar and you left being an artist uh and uh, for mca at the altar you, you've got a pattern you know that don't you
1: well <laughs> yeah, maybe so. i don't know but uh i i, I did i came home and told allie what what i'd done and she was glad i mean she's always been supportive but uh i think there was a part of her that was relieved you know right and it was scary and we didn't know what we we're gonna do but uh but, you know, I, I went on, I, some of those songs that I was recording got recorded and were hits for other people, and, and I had more hits. And honestly, uh, I've done shows where I've opened for the big acts. You know, I've never filled a stadium myself, but I've opened shows for people who filled them. Right. <laughs> and that, that's a lot of fun. There's a height of that, for sure. Uh, and I've done uh, stuff with bands, you know, where we played small venues, whatever. My favorite thing to do uh, is to get up in front of a crowd with nothing but a guitar. No band, just me and a guitar, mm-hmm. and, uh, and play. And my, the ideal audience is anywhere from 500 to 1,200 people, small, where I can look at everybody in the room. Right. And uh, I love it. And, and honestly, I have more fun playing in a room with 50 people than I do playing with a band in front of 15,000. I get it. It's worked out really well. I made a good decision because the Almighty knew what, what I was made to do and what was going to be satisfying for me. And I've been very, very fortunate.
0: We're talking to Rivers Rutherford, incredible hit songwriter. Uh, we're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. Yeah, Hey, folks. In
1: the
0: market for new pillows... I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing OmniPillow. The OmniPillow is made with a copper-infused fabric, and they use high-quality fabric. The copper has been known to be anti-fungal, anti and good for the skin. The OmniFlow is the foam in the inside, designed by their veteran team. The OmniFlow is a -a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much deserved life's rest. Go to Omnipillow.com. That's Omnipillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys.
1: In a Mississippi minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: Steve Azar, we are with hit singer songwriter Rivers Rutherford. We got to talk hits now because <clears throat> you've had right. so many. You've won Grammys. How many Grammys do we have in the you, and where? Well. Are we?
1: I, I... I've never won a Grammy. I've had a lot of nominations, but I've never won one.
0: That's still close enough. You feel me? You know, our boy, our boy Dan Teminski's got 14 or 15, and all he ever says is, I know where the, the foam makes great studio uh, acoustic tile. He doesn't know where the hey, trophies yeah. are. I love that about about Dan. Okay, so tell me that So uh, you've recorded songs from my buddy Darius Rucker and, and recent yep. ones. Those are the most recent, right? Um, yeah, the, the
1: most recent hit I had was a song called Southern Style with Darius. I love it. Love
0: that record. Yeah, love it. Well, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, but you've recorded song. You've written songs for Urban, Lady A, Darius Reba, Toby, Faith, Gary Allen, Kenny, uh, Rodney Atkins, Trace Atkins, all the Atkins, whoever they are, Brooks and Dunn, right? <laughs> it, and you've uh, you've been songwriter of the year a couple, two or three times. Uh, uh, I don't know how many number one. How many number ones have you had? I don't.
1: I don't it depends on how you count them. Well, it, just give uh, me. I, I'd say 12
0: 12 It's not even right uh, when did the hit start to come
1: it uh, you know I moved to Nashville in 93 and I had my first hit in 97 uh, it was called Shut Up and Drive Shelly Wright recorded I turned 30 that year on my birthday we used to have now it's the CMA Music Festival we used to call it Fanfare you remember that oh, of course yeah yeah and uh, she was playing my song at Fanfare kind of debuting it on my 30th birthday, and I'm telling you, if it hadn't been for that, I don't know. I don't know if I could have hung in there much longer. Hmm. But it, uh, we went out and saw her play it, and the crowd loved it, and I thought, this might happen. And it was about uh, two years later, 99, I had a couple of hits. Uh, Smoke Rings in the Dark for Gary Allen and a song called Unconditional that Clay Davidson recorded, and they were both right. big hits. And uh, we kind of got stable at that point, and then in 2001... Uh, Ain't nothing about you. Uh, Brooks and Dunn recorded it. Ain't nothing about you that don't do something for me. It was uh, smash number one and song of the year and all that. And that kind of put me on the map.
0: That was the one you feel like that. So, so the faucet started to open up. You started leaky. Turned into a little bit of a nice little flow. And then all of a sudden you, you wrote that one. And that was the one that really opened the floodgates. How? I mean, uh, did they just start? People just people start calling, going like, we're looking for the next Rivers Rutherford song. Did that ever happen?
1: To a degree, yeah. I mean, I, I hear all the time from people. Well, you know, uh, all you got to do is you know, write your song and, and make a phone call, and they're going to listen to it. And I go, yeah, but they still got to like it to record it. Right. So it's not like it's not like anybody out there was saying, okay, tell Rivers Brother I want one of his songs. What's the next thing he writes? I'm going to record it. Nobody ever says that. But I do get, you know, people that call and say, hey, love your songs. Let's see if you, you know, you've got something that would be good for us. Uh, so, there is a certain amount of a leg up, but like you said earlier, I mean, I am a little bit different i'm not i'm not uh i have never been kind of mainstream, but uh there were several years there where whatever it was that I do just happened to be what everybody was looking for hmm. and uh that's a fun place to be man. I've written a lot of hits, and we may write a hit today, we may not, but my hits are in the past. today is a new day every day you've got to sit down in front of a piece of paper, and if you've got the better idea. I want that. Right. I, I don't care. I don't care about you know being the guy that came up with the line, so that the story says it was him that wrote the song. I don't care about having the glory or anything. I want that. I've always been this way. I, 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 when I go into the writer room, I'm, and look, I'm not gonna lie, about it, I've got a little bit of an ego. It's all right. But when I walk into a room to write a song with somebody, I check the ego at the door. It's all about writing the best song we know. Whose ever idea it is, whoever's on the roll of somebody. If I'm sitting across the table from a guy who's who's just spouting out great stuff, I, I keep my mouth shut. I don't mm-hmm. want to shut him down. It, it's a, it's it, you know, it's I can't explain it. It's a very fun thing to do for a living. It, uh, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, I'd still do it. I did when I wasn't getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in June, I, well, excuse me, yeah, June was the 30th year that I've been paid to write songs. It's awesome. And, uh, I'm really proud of that. It, it's a, it's a tough business and, uh, you know, particularly at 50 years old, you know, but, they're still paying me to write them, so I'm still cranking, I'm still cranking them out. Uh, and if they quit paying me, I'll still be writing.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it, Rivers. Yeah. I love it. Well, tonight you're going to be performing those songs with me and with Mark Allen Springer. So tonight you, you guys can bring your blankets. We're not competing with high school football, thank goodness. And um, Yeah, that's
1: right. That's can't right. do
0: it. The Corinth Civil War Interpretive Center. And uh, we're going to have a blast. So 6 to 9 tonight, and uh, we'll take the stage uh, when they let us.
1: Hey, look, I hadn't seen you in a long time, Steve. I'll be be looking forward to laying eyes on you tonight.
0: You too, brother. I can't wait. I'll see you in a little bit. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.